I'm going to take a quick second out to remind you that you can subscribe to my podcast if you like its content. The subscribe button is right on the top of your app screen. Thank you and enjoy the show. Welcome to another episode of PG Radio. On um, this episode of my podcast, I have one of the most fascinating people I've found. Um, Warren Maya, is, is that how you say it or Maya? How do it's you pronounce proper, it? It's a proper noun. I usually say Maya because it's ah, Maya. easier. Okay, but my Warren dad pronounces Maya. Oh hell yeah! Okay, so you have a disagreement with your dad? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What's right. his name? Yeah, uh, Varun is um, an entrepreneur from India. One of the youngest entrepreneurs to raise VC from India. He is also a best-selling author. He wrote the book The Pajama Prophet. Correct mm-hmm. me if I'm wrong. I'm horrible with introductions. It just does yeah, not. Um, um, and since then, Varun has started a company and is the CEO of Avalon Labs. Also. is the author of the online free program on startups called meta startup got it mm-hmm. covered welcome varun i am eternally interested in the background i think uh, that's some dope technology but here's what i'll say about you okay um i in my in the course of research that i did on you in the course of going through your youtube content and and the episode with sarhad and and so on i realized and even even some stuff that's up on apple podcast and spotify i realized that um you don't get the due you deserve it takes it takes like a significant two third portions of a conversation before the 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 good the guys that you're talking to come to the meat of your wisdom the depths of what you understand and you speak and that's part of the reason why i'm fascinated because i would like to believe game recognizes game but um i'm going to skip through the bullshit i'm going to take you straight to uh, where i think you will be at your seams and let's try and hash out some of the more interesting things that might be overlaps in terms of the ideas that we think about how does that sound Sure, man. That's yeah. dive right. It's it's always about diving into the rabbit hole, no? So why are we waiting? <laughs> right, right. Um, so tell me, you have some very very interesting views about education systems in general, and I'm sure you have a hyper localized view on the education system in India. What are those views? Uh, look, right. It, it's it's less about India or the US or anything. I think it's more about time. I think um, you know what. Think about why the education system started. So was the, bunch of these people say or charles darwin or um, or or somebody like thomas alva edison people who did stuff right mm-hmm. and they said you know i've been through this long journey this long career where i've learned stuff i've gone out into the world i've you know in charles darwin's case he went out he explored tortoises he explored different uh, islands and then he came back and he wrote about it mm-hmm. right and then at some point you know he starts running out of energy So at sixty or sixty-five, says you know I'm out of energy now. Mm-hmm. So I still need to make money. I'm still you know I have that curiosity in my heart. So what I'm going to do is I want to do two things. I want mm-hmm. to continue doing research, and I want a safe environment to do it. And everything that I've learned in the past, I want to teach young kids. Because as a young kid who wants to learn about say the evolution of species, the only you know the 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 premier knowledgeable person in the world is Darwin himself. Right, mm-hmm. so you want to go see Darwin. You want to study under him, right? Mm-hmm. And the only place to do that would be at a college, because a college mm-hmm. would host Darwin, and they'd give him the two things that he wanted. They'd give him a lecture room, they'd give him an audience, and uh, three things that he wanted: lecture room, audience, and you know, a little bit of a place to do research. Mm-hmm. Right. So, college, its fundamental function was to bring people of of renown who had actually gone out in the world, and I like to call these people explorers. Mm-hmm. College was a place for. explorers who were done with their journey mm-hmm. to become you know gurus to become mm-hmm. mentors to mm-hmm. help the next wave of explorers 
that was its function right and the main reason for this is because as you're exploring you can't really teach somebody else right because you're out there exploring you don't have the internet no mobile phones you know you're, right. out, you're writing some something on a scrap of paper probably with ink um you have to mail that back right and the printing press changed a little bit of this when the printing press came out it allowed people to continue being explorers for a little longer right allowed explorers to talk about what they had learned a little before they became successful they became extremely successful a little before the end of their careers so even before sunset time they were able to you know put out a little that content through books but again as you know publishing a book is not easy there's a limited amount of paper not everybody wants to read everything that's written distribution is difficult you need libraries so an entire ecosystem needed to be built around the printing press but all this was fine till i i would say 10 years ago 15 years ago where this this was the norm right explorer go out come back teach at a college people come to learn from you more than the college itself the internet changed all of that right with the inter- with the internet with the phone now i could be exploring i could be out there you know working with ai or i could be out there you know in antarctica learning about climate change and i could just tweet that shit right i could take a picture of it and i could say guys this is what's happening mm-hmm. so what's happened is it allows explorers to continue being explorers forever and start being mentors on day one mm-hmm. so what i realized and i used to think that people only want to learn from experts people only want to learn from the jack mas or the elon musk so people who are sitting out there you know at the edge of everything but that isn't true because a somebody like elon musk doesn't have the time to teach somebody who's just come out of college or somebody who wants to enter college and b there's so many people so many steps between you and say an elon musk and you need to go through each and every one of these steps one by one by one so i would first to go from where i am say step 0 say i want to learn about thermonuclear physics i'm at step 0 because i know nothing about thermonuclear physics i would follow somebody who's just a few steps ahead of me mm-hmm. then after i think i'm on par with this person i'd follow the next person and mm-hmm. so on and so forth and this is what i've done with my career right in the beginning mm-hmm. i i followed the generic you know motivational people then i moved on then i started following vcs then when i understood that game i started following big entrepreneurs then when i finished that game i started following philosophers so it's a step by step game mm-hmm. and you need to rank where you are i think that's a little bit of self awareness it comes that's i think what differentiates somebody who would be a really good learner versus somebody who is not a good learner they will right. place yourself on a scoreboard by yourself mm-hmm. um and and you could just you could look at their tweets like twitter in my opinion is a better place to to be educated or youtube is a better place to be educated than sitting in college and listening to some and now and the explorers because they continue to explore they're replaced by third rate uh, teachers right so now mm-hmm. it's not the explorers who are done with their career going into college who are teaching at colleges it's just people who want the money mm-hmm. right so it's colleges have not have i mean and now they they wholesale in my opinion i don't know what your thoughts on this are but mm-hmm. i think they they've diverged more into what should people think it's like thought policing now mm-hmm. right which i don't think is colleges i don't think it's college's job right i think they're just there to allow somebody who's been through you know the grit of things to teach what that person has been through but i think mm-hmm. they've got this all wrong and and it doesn't work anymore the business model is failing it's gone flat mm-hmm. i um i have i have respect for the fact that you used almost original building blocks to come up with an opinion so so um, well synthesized i have only a few agreements to point out and from there a few disagreements to point out on that subject i think you are absolutely right that there is a degeneration of the institutionalized education system that we cannot shy away from i mean mm-hmm. the i wonder because um, my transition to america and then and then living here has been such a rush i haven't been i haven't allowed my past life to sediment in my head but 
one of the things i feel the most most passionate about is um, the the quality of education system in india but let's just take the education system as a generalized abstract and then comment on it um i think you are absolutely on point with the fact that availability of information is no longer a constraint no matter what right we followed the cognitive architecture right we give cognitive building blocks to people we give people facts facts and information that's what we give people in universities and school and we expect that to be a proxy for competence like this is going to be what competence means if you understand this if you can replicate this in a test model however i think there needs there needs to be an absolute pivot in this very moment towards training our our younger generations our fresher crop for abstractions that's what we need to be teaching people it needs to be application it needs to be synthesis it needs to be taking building blocks from everywhere and then constructing something fresh because partly because of the threat that artificial intelligence and machine learning is just around the corner for us apart from that uh i have been researching on metacognition a lot um about confidence judgments about linguistic abilities about uh, abstract representations and displaced references and um it is it's so brilliant to me the fact that we or it is rather confounding to me the fact that we haven't modeled our education on metacognitive processes at all like think about this i write a paper fuck i write a paper and somebody who's assessing this is going to be a professor who's never really been in the outside world like the ultimate feedback loop mechanism which is the environment outside market being a proxy for that is not even presented to me if we do not create a real architecture for feedbacks we are training ourselves in this bubble and that i think is inherently unfair given that we are not no longer going to be using machines as tools but as competitors you had something on your instagram to the effect of if you're going to go against a machine in the next 10 years believe me you are no, you're not going to win go do something else you, you are going to get shredded <laughs> yeah that's, you are going to get words. shredded absolutely that's so on spot like i if i i think of it like this if i had children what would i teach them i teach them poetry i teach them music i teach them things that i still think is an island isolated for human creativity and i um, and that's my complaint with the indian education system primarily is it trains for efficiency not creativity it bottles up people in this strict rigid testing format where you are not allowed to explore anything beyond and i think you also had something similar on instagram about uh, your english teacher telling you if you never get above 90 or something along those lines i used to get a similar comment they would tell me your english is too difficult to understand don't write like this and i was like how stupid is that you were telling me i'm worse because i'm better like how does that make sense and it has like an impact on your developmental psyche man like you you go around the world thinking ha huh, maybe i'm doing something wrong you know uh, articulating myself properly but those are the set of agreements i have um on the set of disagreements and tell me what you think about this um you are no stranger to the concept of the need for tribes right and it is not just that tribe offers a pillar of belonging or the support system or this architecture of love but also it provides um it provides it 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 sort of intertwines with motivation and i'm not sure if 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 you had spoken about this on something but uh, it's oh, i think you did when you were like you should hang out with five entrepreneurs or five bodybuilders it's exactly that it's it's the fact that you can you can allow yourself to chase ideas as currency and it's the ecosystem that is valuable i don't pay columbia for the classroom i paid for the elements in a classroom the professor who has significant knowledge on one end and two the students who are willing to compete for the grander architecture that might lead our society wherever it might lead and i think that is 
hyper essential to create a tribal atmosphere to create a, a, a social bubble where ideas are currency that is where i think education system fits in properly um what do you think about that i think we have a better solution to that it's mm-hmm. it's a company mm-hmm. companies cool. or startups are, are better tribal ecosystems than an educational environment and hear mm-hmm. me out right the thing is think about your really old school tribes right mm-hmm. there was this phenotype where if you were a child and you were maturing and you were about to become an adult there was this particular symbolism that you need to show the world you need to bring the lion's head back and mm-hmm. i'm talking metaphorically right mm-hmm. to show the tribe that you had arrived that mm-hmm. you are ready to take on a leadership role mm-hmm. and all leaders were leaders only because they were unchallenged mm-hmm. you can challenge a leader at any time and you can become the next leader and this mm-hmm. was true tribes not just i'm talking about the sub saharan um, or the african tribes i'm talking about mm-hmm. everywhere across the world even even now uh, even now right and here we have these subdued acts of violence like look in in the early days and especially if you look at chimps the way chimps compete for tribal uh, leadership is violence mm-hmm. right and one chimp will come up the stronger chimp and be like i want to come i want to fight you right mm-hmm. and they usually don't go through full fights it's usually just mm-hmm. posturing yeah i'm bigger than you i'm bigger than you because the cost right. of actually losing out in a fight means that you'll be wounded the next person will come in and win so this mm-hmm. idea of posturing showing you know i'm bigger than you i'm better than you was a way to avoid violence and but mm-hmm. it is for tribe competition we mm-hmm. have a method of tribe competition today and that mm-hmm. method is at least you look at politics for example that's a debate mm-hmm. right the new form of tribal competition for leadership is a mm-hmm. debate in today's mm-hmm. world mm-hmm. right and this is a politics so mm-hmm. what i'm saying is if you want an ecosystem to be able, whatever ecosystem you choose you can choose the college ecosystem but my mm-hmm. problem with the college ecosystem is the leadership competitions are wrong mm-hmm. that poor i mean if you say okay this professor is on top the hierarchy is entirely preset by somebody and that mm-hmm. person never gets thrown out of his position so right. i could have really old beliefs mm-hmm. and the way colleges raise funding is that they'll have funding for a very very long time mm-hmm. right so if i'm the dean of a college for 40 50 70 years i need not be taken away from my seat mm-hmm. right and right today and, and the thing is in the 1950s your average lifespan was like 40 50 years mm-hmm. right when colleges were around with but they were big the average life on very short 40 50 years right so i could be head of the you know entire department. ecosystem mm-hmm. ecosystem for like 15 years at max mm-hmm. today you could be head of department for 30 40 years i can mm-hmm. guarantee you in 30 40 years i will not understand the world mm-hmm. because cognitively i would have formed a, I, w- i would be averse to learning new things that's why as people grow older they get it's harder and harder for them to learn new things right so, right so the, there are no competitions at to- at the top right mm-hmm. for leadership so mm-hmm. if you join a college in colombia whoever the dean is or the, the whatever the head of this institution is Presidents, that person yeah. will, it's very very hard for that person to be replaced whereas in mm-hmm. companies that person is replaced as soon as you realize somebody is incompetent as soon as you have bad uh, monthly reports or bad quarterly reports or a bad yearly performance maybe one a person gets one strike two strikes the next person who seems competent enough takes your place mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. you look at politics politics is another tribal very it's a very tribal ecosystem right mm-hmm. in in politics for example you have say somebody running for president or mm-hmm. somebody running for prime minister in the indian case but mm-hmm. you have other people who are you know next in line if mm-hmm. this person doesn't do well i go in next mm-hmm. so it's 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 crazy amount of hierarchy and this this one more thing about tribe right the tribes right every tribe that is that you will ever see is actually an offshoot of another tribe mm-hmm. so a tribe has say a tribe has 10 principles that they all believe in say mm-hmm. some irrational beliefs like i always wake up at 10 in the morning or, or right. i have to wake up at 5 in the morning it's irrational beliefs it could be rational could be irrational it's just what the tribe believes in 10 things 
Now this new offshoot, maybe the you know the millennials in the tribe decide that 5 a.m. rule is stupid. stupid. I will wake up at 10 a.m. I will believe in all the nine other rules, but this one rule I want to change. So I make an offshoot of that tribe, right? And you will not believe it. This exact phenomenon that what I what I just told you is exactly how most institutions in the world are. Mm-hmm. You take everything from Christianity to mm-hmm. how Christianity evolved into Protestants, Catholics, uh, even Lutherans. Uh, yeah, they they have divisions. It's or, just based, based mm-hmm. people who believe in most rules except a few rules, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. you start having offshoots, even right. with parties you have in in India. I don't know what how you know if you know the Indian party system. You have BJP, and then you have offshoots of, of BJP like RSS, JDS, JDS, etc., etc., etc. And right. and you can look at you can even look at I mean I saw a tweet recently right from a famous crypto investor from A16Z mm-hmm. his name is Balaji mm-hmm. um, he said that you look at the Unix ecosystem Linux mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. you have Linux you have BSD they have offshoots as well mm-hmm. so you'll find that any group see eventually the group will have disagreements among them itself and usually not about all the rules about some of the rules and mm-hmm. then they will call themselves Group A Group B I mm-hmm. started seeing this in Avalon because mm-hmm. Avalon to me is like a social experiment of can I create a tribe and can I let it go through its natural digital processes. So we have mm-hmm. a Telegram. We have a, we have about sixty, seventy thousand people engaged, mm-hmm. and we started seeing that now people are arguing with each other about small things, not the majors, mm-hmm. and then they're offshooting. My right. problem is college is a synthetic system mm-hmm. where once a certain ideology takes place, it will never be challenged, mm-hmm. right? And the college basically becomes known for that, mm-hmm. and the, and and also it's the dean wants to maintain his position of power and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera, right? So right. he will use. It will usually give in to what uh, the audience wants. So you don't see strong leaders who are willing to uh, step, put their foot down, and say, you know what? I think all what everything you guys are thinking is wrong, mm-hmm. right? Because all it survives on admissions. Right. Whereas a company survives on performance. So mm-hmm. a company doesn't have to please its employees; it has to right. please customers. Right. But a college technically has to please its employees. Um, I think I think you were spot on, uh, and I think we are arriving at almost a similar idea from two distinct vo- vocabulary sets, which is um, yeah, the market is a harsher harsher feedback loop mechanism than the university system, no doubt about that. And and I'm I'm with you on the fact that upgrade there is a friction to um, scientific upgradation that that sort of is built into the system of universities, um, and it's 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 in part why Thomas Kuhn wrote the. The, the the paradigm for scientific revolutions or i think that that's what it's titled i might have butchered the title but it's all about how we need to as soon as we come up to a point where there is a paradigm shift in science we need to go back and revise everything that has that has allowed us to get to you know to 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 stray in some sense but um i think uh, i think that there is another closing point that i want to bring to that this 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 friction to upgradation why that happens is probably or i think is is primarily based in the phenomena where um the university becomes a space where ideas become the symbolic representation of identity. I have a professor, Professor X, right? He does research in, say, intelligence science. And he spends 30 years of his life analyzing data to come up with research. And then there is a groundbreaking idea that he has. He puts that idea out. Everybody comes and says, you were wrong, right? You and I, people like us who only read one book, come out and say, you're wrong. From his standpoint, that's his identity you are questioning. He's going to be like, you think I'm stupid? I've read this for 30 years, right? And so what happens is with professors who've been around longer, and that becomes a case for a lot of communist professors that I come across, and all, all, all respect for, for the philosophy, but um, they are hard to revise their ideas because they've, they've invested so much. We, And this brings me to something very interesting, and, I'm, and even though I did not think of 
talking about this with you but i might i might want to pick your mind on this i think there is a, such a conflation that we make between our mind and our selves our sense of selves and our sense of mind become one as as, as we rise above um, understanding that we are more than just biology we latch on to psychology and we think we are our mind and um, that becomes such a such a obstacle in terms of our growth uh, i think the true sense making apparatus that we have in our head is cognitive dissonance it's only when i come across something that i do not understand that i have to begin questioning my beliefs um what do you think about that do you see that a lot in people do you see people confusing themselves for their mind often enough um i think this uh, i'll answer your first question first i think mm -hmm. uh, about professors investing a lot of time right mm -hmm. um there's this famous i don't remember his name right but this is very famous um I think he was a biologist or a or a clinician, clinician, some some doctor. Yeah, clinician, mm -hmm. some doctor, right? And he basically he was the guy who came up with the idea that no stomach ulcers are not caused by stress because mm -hmm. until that time it was prevalent that stomach ulcers Str are caused by stress. Right. Right. And he came up and he said, "Dude, I did my research. I don't think it's caused by stress. It's caused by." helicobacter pylori it's a bacteria mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right and people shat on him they were just like you are wrong it's caused mm -hmm. by stress we've seen so many instances in the clinic and the amount of people that that just gave him rubbish was like insane and he was going crazy because they rejected his paper they said you're you're wrong you're fudging data so he went he took a small bottle of helicobacter pylori and he ingested it mm -hmm. and the man almost died of stomach ulcers mm -hmm. right and then people believed him they're like oh yeah maybe you're right Mm -hmm. and you know in india you will still find doctors that tell you that ulcers are because of stress mm -hmm. and it's it's an ultimate slap on the face somebody almost killed himself to prove to america that right. this is caused because of this and indian doctors today like 90 their text the textbooks that most indian doctors experienced in this do doctors today have read are from the 1950s 1960s that don't mm -hmm. have this information this was mm -hmm. uh, this is somewhere after this mm -hmm. and that's the thing right like any new discovery is usually shat on in the beginning Mm -hmm. Anything you come up with, if it's brilliant, if it's really brilliant, it's a counterintuitive idea. Mm -hmm. If you come out and say, "Dude, I don't think this works like this," people are going to look at you. Their livelihoods depend on it. They've invested right. so much time. They're just going to be like, "Screw you, dude." They're going to be like, "You don't know anything." What you have to do in that condition is prove, right? You need to take your idea and say, "I'm going to prove it to you guys." And it takes three years, four years, five years, and eventually people are like, "You know what? Maybe you're right." Mm -hmm. And so. That's the first thing. I think, yeah, if somebody's invested their entire time into it, there's nothing you can do. You, it's a personal attack. If you tell them you're wrong, it is a personal attack. Personal attack, right? And and unless you have solid proof, I don't think you should take that battle. It's not mm -hmm. worth de demolishing 30 years of a person's experience. I think the the best strategy in this case is avoid that person. Mm -hmm. um, coming to your second question, I forgot what the second question is. The mind and mind itself. Mm -hmm. um, see. Uh, I, I prefer to use the scientific terms for this, right? I prefer to use the. We have the limbic system, mm -hmm. which is basically the oldest form of the brain. It handles mm -hmm. everything from thermoregulation to emotions. And the first time I started learning about the limbic, uh, the limbic system is when I started learning about. Uh, you've have you heard this uh, Poets of the Fall song called Headlights? Mm -hmm. I love you Poets heard? of the Fall, man. Yeah, they, they have a song called Headlights. You heard mm -hmm. of them? Yes. Yeah. Song. Mm -hmm. So it's about a deer. Mm -hmm. And it's in headlights. Mm -hmm. Right, that's that's what the song is about. Are you talking about late goodbye by any chance? No, I think it's called headlights or late. Yeah, it's, sorry, it's called late, late goodbye. Sorry, the sorry, first yeah. line is about headlights. Yeah, right. yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry, sorry. It's right, right, right. Again, very, very. It's been like ten years since I've heard that song. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. So there's a deer in the headlights, right? 
And I listened to that song and I was just, I just Googled, what does a deer do in headlights? I don't know why, I just Googled this stuff. Mm-hmm. And then I started on this journey of how animals first picked up memory and emotion. Mm-hmm. Right? So a deer is in headlights. What does a deer do? It runs. Mm-hmm. Right? And it runs, it feels all these stress hormones. Uh, you know, it's, it's adrenaline, it runs away and goes back to grazing. That's the difference between humans and animals. We will not go back to grazing. We'll sit and think about, you know, I almost got killed. What if I got killed? What, what would happen to my children? But deers, I mean, deer, that's the plural of deer, sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't think about all that. They're mm-hmm. just like, okay, escape that, eat. Mm-hmm. But, but there is a part of their brain that registers where they almost died. Mm-hmm. So the next time you put the deer in that spot, it'll say, I'm not going there. Mm-hmm. I'm scared of that area. It doesn't know why. It doesn't know mm-hmm. that it's, it doesn't remember the headlights, but it's just like, I'm not going there. I'm afraid of the spot. Mm-hmm. So what scientifically what we realized, and I spent a lot of time in Nimhans just trying to understand because, you know, internet knowledge is kind of scary. So you want to make sure you go just meet actual professors, um, work with brains, work with EEGs to understand all this. And I realized this, right? You've seen those drawers where you open both cupboards at the same time. You can't open one. You have to mm-hmm. open both. Not drawers, mm-hmm. like cupboards. You open mm-hmm. both at the same time. They're locked in. So there's a part of your brain called the hippocampus, which is responsible for memory. And there's a part of your brain called the amygdala, which is responsible for emotions, specifically the emotion of fear. And they're both co-joined. Like if you open one, you have to open the other. So this, the, the body or we evolved in a way where fear determines our memory. Right? The more you fear something, the more you will remember it. And it doesn't just work for fear. It works for any emotion. The happier you are, the more the chance of you remembering you know, it remembering it so even today when when I, I teach people and i'm you know asked to help people understand something i'm like listen get emotionally charged first mm-hmm. right that's that's the reason a lot of kids today want to become a messi or a ronaldinho because mm-hmm. versus becoming a mathematician because they imagine themselves in the feet of a messi you know all the fans chanting the awe the you know the the hyped up emotions and that's what forces them to go out and play football like even right. if it's learning, not actually at the stage. Whereas mm-hmm. with mathematics, you have no role models. Mm-hmm. And that's the entire function of a role model, in my opinion. Like you hype mm-hmm. up somebody. Um, you open up the, fear, uh, the emotional centers so that you open up the retention centers. Mm-hmm. Now, because of this fact, and I started studying the limbic system, memory and fear are very connected. Right? And then what happened, and I think this is accidental, it's more like an evolutionary thing. The memory centers started getting stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger. While the fear centers start getting smaller and smaller and smaller. The amygdala is about this small, right? And then right. eventually, we evolved this new ecosystem, this new circuit for social bonding. We don't know where it came from. It just came from somewhere, right? Mm-hmm. This ecosystem for social bonding called the cortex. Mm-hmm. That humans are one of the only creatures that have the neocortex, for example. Mm-hmm. The neocortex is a center for language. It's learning, creativity, mm-hmm. and working in teams. Mm-hmm. Right? And the, the core tenet or the, the basic... The, the raw material of social bonding is our ability to communicate. In mm-hmm. short, it's language. Mm-hmm. Whether you're talking about language as in you make calls or chirps, whether it's language as in you draw something. Symbolic representation or, associated with words. Anything, yep. anything. It could be this kind of language. And, uh, you know, I have this running theory that the better you're able, the, the bigger your dictionary is and the better you're able to use that dictionary, the, the better you're able to use that dictionary, mm-hmm. um, the smarter you are, the better you're mm-hmm. able to communicate with people, which is why I feel like people who can design plus communicate plus do video 
are often way, way, way smarter than people who can just talk, mm-hmm. right? So, um, so that's what language kind of became our our, our medium of instruction, right? Medium mm-hmm. of interface, right? yeah, mm-hmm. and interface between each other. So that's mm-hmm. what kept strengthening the neocortex. So you have these three different players: memory, emotion, language, and communication with teams. Mm-hmm. What started happening, and I, I, again, I don't know. I think this is just evolutionary, right? It's what started happening is this idea of language and as you grew up people kept saying you know you you prakar 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 i think you start believing it somewhere in the way right because if you take a feral child somebody who has no contact with the real world firstly those children don't survive because you need a mother's um, uh, love and care to even grow up to a certain age but assuming right. they survive they're horribly dysfunctional socially mm-hmm. they're absolutely dysfunctional they cannot talk right they cannot even eat properly they're horrible but point is language forms your identity of you mm-hmm. right it is not formed by you it is formed by your environment mm-hmm. so it's your environment that constantly tells you 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 that's one mm-hmm. identity mm-hmm. right sigmund freud was close but mm-hmm. in my opinion he was wrong so somebody else forms an identity of you and then you have this limbic identity of you mm-hmm. right so you have this image that others see of you mm-hmm. and this image that you see of yourself mm-hmm. and it's like an index finger right an index finger cannot point to itself Mm-hmm. You need another index finger to point to it. Mm-hmm. So this is one identity that's purely socially driven. Mm-hmm. That is smarter. That is smarter mm-hmm. because it relies on the neocortex. And there's one identity which is the limbic system. In my opinion, it just wants things like food, uh, mm-hmm. cute women, etc., etc., etc. You know, right. the, based biological okay. desires. Based biological desires. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, when most people talk about mind versus self, they think of the mind as those simple biological desires. Mm-hmm. and they think of the self as what other people like they don't know this but this is what they're talking about they're like mm-hmm. one is my social self and one is my personal self mm-hmm. but i think it's way more complex than that mm-hmm. i think in both situations we are less under control than we think we are mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right um beautiful i have so much to pick on from that um so i think you are absolutely accurate when you say um somebody somebody whose dictionary is better is better at thinking i don't think that's far i think verbal ability and the ability to chase down your thoughts with words um forms the the grand structure of the possibilities that you can aspire towards absolutely fair and that is to some extent what wittgenstein is saying with language games as well like when he's commenting on the metaphysics of language and so on absolutely accurate um you are absolutely right about psychology about the sense of identity coming from outside uh, although i do feel it's a little more complicated than that and you refer to that with all due credit to you um in the way it's more complicated is that your identity uh, one of the data sets one of the massive data sets that you borrow from while constructing your sense of self is the external but a lot of it is the interaction you have with the external and identity is a massive it's like a moving goalpost man like we we still talk about intersectionality and 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 so and so on from there i had a guest on here who's who is the world's leading researcher on intelligence and creativity and we got into a discussion about that and i proposed an identity set theory if you ever get a chance listen to that it's episode 40 with scott barry kaufman um he's he's phenomenal i think he's one of the smartest people we have um we have alive as far as emotion go because this was something interesting that came up i think in your conversation with sarad that you talk you're talking about what makes us what makes us uniquely human is our ability to think not the emotional spectrum right um and there i had like a technical disagreement to make and it, and i want to see where where this rift goes 
Um, I was recently interviewing the authority on amygdala fear and the experience of consciousness. His name's Joseph Ledoux. Um, if you want to check that episode out ever, he was the one, give me a second. He was the one who came up with the notion that fear is in your amygdala, but, but there is a massive, but that he's been trying to correct since this, this thing came out is that it's not fear that is in the amygdala. Fear is a function of your prefrontal cortex, full stop. What is function of your amygdala is threat detection. So when he, and it's, it's the same, it's because the interface of communication is language. We use uh, what, he, what he calls the vernaculars for, 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 for specific technical terms that we get confused I think, I think, with. Yeah, so I think he's just going into the wording. So when I mean fear, I mean threat detection. Right, no, but here is the slight difference. And, and, and this, is, this is absolutely pivoting to a different direction in terms of what we were talking about. But here is the slight difference. The physiological response that you have, sweating, palms getting sweaty, you know, you feeling shaking, whatnot, that is all amygdala driven. That's why it got smaller because the need for it got lesser because all the representation of fear we have when, 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 when you and I are afraid of something, if I can put it in words, all prefrontal cortex. So you can have a threat detective response. You can have shaking and sweating without having fear. You can have a fear without threat detection response, even though mostly they come together. So... In the same breath of things, what truly makes us human is the experience of emotion too, and is the experience of being able to think too, to discern, um, to to binarize emotion and, and 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 logic is slightly tricky. I think to binarize subconscious procedures and conscious procedures is more accurate in terms of dis distancing ourselves from um, from 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 other species. And it's the same with the deer. The deer understands threat detection. The hippocampus forms a memory of the fact that I might die, not in the literal sense, because it's so difficult to communicate without language, but it knows in some weird twisted way we don't understand because we don't have a window into its mind. But uh, what is more interesting, what is more interesting about, about humans is we can understand what it means. To understand what it means is primarily human, be that the emotional aspect or uh, the logical aspect. Uh, what do you think about that? So it's, a, it's about two things. You're, you've hit the nail on the head. It's about understanding and it's mm -hmm. about the ability to override. Right. Like to humans, humans are the only creature. You can feel an insane amount of fear, but you mm -hmm. can still go do it. You can right. still be like, what I'm feeling right now is just, you know, it's, it's temporary. And I think there's a third segment to this, uh -huh. which again, what I'm going to say in the next 30 seconds is fiction. It's fiction. <laughs> I right? saw that. Yes, I got that. Yeah, That's, nice. That's nice. I like that. Mm -hmm. It's just fiction. So believe it at your own peril. As humans, we have the third ability to override our neurotransmission, right? And I'm, I'm talking about externally, mm -hmm. right? And I, you could, I could start with, say, a TMS, mm -hmm. right? A transcranial magnetic stimulation device. Mm -hmm. I could go on to SSRIs, selective mm -hmm. serotonin reuptake inhibitors. Mm -hmm. I, could, I could modulate my norepinephrine system. Mm -hmm. I could not modulate my adrenaline system. Mm -hmm. I could modulate my acetylcholine system. I could mm -hmm. modulate um, dopamine. Mm -hmm. Right, so humans are one of the only creatures on the planet that can, a, we can understand our emotions. You're, you got it right on the head. We can override them. We can say, I'm feeling fear, but I'm still going to speak on stage. Mm -hmm. Right, and thirdly, we can say, I'm going to take this hit of propanolol. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know why I said the word hit, but I can take this tablet of propanolol, and mm -hmm. I will not feel the effects of fear while I'm on stage. Mm -hmm. Right, mm -hmm. and I'll, I'll give you an example. What you're saying, what what the uh, person is saying is correct because you can feel an incredible amount of fear. Uh, musicians do this. Propanolol is a beta blocker. It, mm -hmm. it just blocks the effects of fear, the physical somatic effects of fear. So no sweaty palms, no shaking voice, none of that shit. So you can take propanolol. You can still feel fear. You're still afraid of going on stage. What if I make a fool of myself? But you don't feel any of the physical symptoms. Right. 
right? It's a beta blocker. Right. And then it also reduces your heart rate. And you mm-hmm. can go on stage and you can do a splendid job. And what I what I've realized is that the fear response, mm-hmm. right? The way fear works, especially when you're say you're talking on stage or something, it doesn't really affect you that much. Mm-hmm. The just the general idea of fear or what do people think about me doesn't affect you that much. It's our response to the idea of what will people think of me all this that's the sweating palms you know what is what's going to happen etc etc i think that's the big problem it's and the imaginative part of it you said it's the imaginative part right because the imaginative part drives mm-hmm. the um, somatic part mm-hmm. by somatic i mean the body parts right? right 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 so you start feeling all those effects and i think you know there's this other subset of people with anxiety especially people with generalized anxiety disorder they mm-hmm. feel fear too fear mm-hmm. I, my palms are sweaty so i'm going to get anxious Right. why my feelings and that right. eventually leads to a panic attack the spiral down is a panic attack right okay. so ledu ledu says that uh, the the block of fear is divided what we call fear is divided into three so there is threat detection primary fear what might happen and then the fear of fear kicks in instantly and that is anxiety so he says that's the proper way to understand his own science that people have miscarried uh, or mi- mi- misconveyed partly due to interest I, and that's my guess partly due to interest of pharmaceutical companies and so on you know like benzodiazepines are dependent on that but you know what i truly also admire about you is that you have this uh, practical bent to the wisdom you have it's i mean i like ideas that's the fundamental unit of my operation and motivation is ideas but you also have this 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 urge to practicalize it for everybody and i and i wanted to pick your mind on something because we share common context growing up in india and almost growing up in i, I would assume similar families um like i'd mentioned at the beginning um i had to i, I transitioned to america and that came at a cost of almost non not conforming to the standard that my family was holding for me um and i i think i remember you saying something about um something about there being this this the, the, the your parents don't understand what this newer world is right it's 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 the fact that there is a distance in in terms of just the ecology outside everything is changing so to depend on their advice is sort of not the best way out right what what was that about tell me tell me what you think about that uh look at how your parents use technology right there's a very good i'll, I'll call it the simple litmus test mm-hmm. um very very easy um method to test whether you should listen to your parents about career for career advice or not see how many whatsapp forwards you get sent per day by your parents mm-hmm. how just see their whatsapp behavioral patterns right right because you'll realize it's very backward mm-hmm. your parents share a lot of fake news mm-hmm. they do most most indian parents do for sure yeah now let's take the thought experiment a little further what if one of those pieces of fake news that your parents are forwarding is my child should go to xyz college or my sh- my child should do engineering or my child should do an mba my child should be- go into medicine and be a doctor what if all those ideas are not their ideas but their ecosystem's ideas mm-hmm. yeah so try this experiment with your parents i, I don't know what your relationship with them is mm-hmm. say something to them that they don't understand and say something technologically oriented or whatever they will not talk about it they will think you are talking about something like lego blocks or or some cartoon or something because mm-hmm. i i tried to talk to my parents about things like dragon ball z mm-hmm. zero backward interaction like they will mm-hmm. not interact with me about it so i feel like in the past when i used to talk to my parents about my career they never spoke back they just wanted to say what they want to say Mm-hmm. right they want to be heard at the end of the, the the core emotion i always look at the underlying emotion these days the underlying emotion is my parents just want to be heard 
Mm-hmm. They want to say something. They want to feel like they made a difference in my life. They want to be heard, and they're willing right. to put money behind it. Money right. behind those opinions. Whereas right. if I want to talk to them about Dragon Ball Z, they will. If I say, "Oh, Goku did this," uh-huh. my parents are not going to be like, "Who is Goku?" They don't right. care about. It. They will be like, "Wow, wonderful." Right. It's the same way when you go to them and tell them, "Oh, I want a job in you. Like, I want to be a YouTuber." Mm-hmm. Right. It's a terrible career choice, but in general, mm-hmm. you go and tell them that, and your parents and your parents are like, "Uh." Yeah, okay beta, but when are you going to do your mechanical engineering? Right. Right, so they're not taking you seriously. The underlying current is they are not taking you seriously. Mm-hmm. But if enough of their friends sends them a message saying YouTube is the new career, YouTube is a new career, YouTube is a viable career, suddenly they'll come to you and be like, you said YouTube, do YouTube. Mm-hmm. I have seen this in so many because when I wrote Pajama Profit, right, I got a lot of mails, I got a lot of messages from students who are like, your book changed my life and I'll tell you why. They already knew that they want to do things like design or marketing, or whatever. I just wrote the book because I was like, "Look, these are viable careers." But the kids use that as evidence. They went to their parents and they said, "Look, the kid has the the, the book has my case study about how you know I went through these careers and all of them make money." Mm-hmm. And they show that to the parents. They're like, "Look, I can actually do this. It's written by an author who's doing well." Mm-hmm. And then the parents say, "Okay, give it a shot." Right? And then the kids try it, and then sometimes it works for them. Again, mm-hmm. all careers come with risk, but sometimes it works for them. And when it comes and it works for them. then the parents take it seriously so mm-hmm. my book is not a book written for the children themselves it's a right. bargain tool mm-hmm. it's a chip that they can take their parents be like i am serious about what i just said this mm-hmm. is not some because a lot of kids right they go to their parents they say something they act cocky in front of their parents they say i can do this i can do that and then they prove wrong so in front of most parents kids parents don't kids think that their parents think that their competence level is low mm-hmm. Right? and mm-hmm. my book became a bargaining chip where like listen i think i know what i'm doing because it's not just me it's also other people mm-hmm. when somebody when if you go into a market any free market and you see that somebody's confidence level is low you know what you're going to end up doing you're going to end up looking at social like what what does everybody else think mm-hmm. right so if mm-hmm. everybody else thinks youtube is a good career and you don't believe your son mm-hmm. then you will end up telling him go to youtube mm-hmm. right but if you if your son is really competent and has proven that couple of times and then says listen i think youtube's a bad idea i think you know engineering i should do en- this botanical whatever because i think that's going to be a, the future then you let your kid do what he wants to do uh-huh. right so okay. it's it's a it's a question of competence and interest from your parents end right, right? so my litmus test is how many whatsapp forwards do they put out if they put out a lot then they're socially driven uh-huh. and don't i don't suggest doing this experiment at home again next 20 seconds is fiction There is a tool on the internet called Spinner. Have you heard of it? No. S P I N N E R. And I'll let people do their own research on this. Spinner allows you to specifically target one person with ads. Mm-hmm. Okay, with ads on whatever topic you want. So if you wanted to hypothetically get a dog, you can. And, and your parents said, no, 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 dog, bad dogs are bad, whatever. I could specifically target, or, or you could specifically target your dad or your mom. with ads from many different websites not ads like articles maybe from wall street journal or guardian or whatever saying dogs are good for you these are the five mm-hmm. benefits of having dogs right and eventually your parents are scrolling through social they're reading so much about dogs and eventually they're like my son spoke about dogs something must be true okay i'll go get a dog right right spinner right. is the most horrible piece of technology to have ever come out you could right? pr- practically program people through priming huh yeah you could program people <laughs> and make them do whatever you want them to do So, what's your advice? What should people do, given given that this this is the situation, given that we understand that there is a discrepancy between how our parents understand the prospects of future and how they actually are, and then this is such an evidence-driven, almost quantitative economic model. 
uh what do you what do you think should people be doing see the thing is you can't be right about anything right if you say oh i think youtube's a good career mm-hmm. that that statement is actually very wrong i'll tell you why it's, it's the same way as oh can is me doing engineering i mean is engineering will engineering give you a good career those both those statements are wrong you know why you could be a really good youtuber i could be a really good youtuber but somebody else could be a really bad youtuber mm-hmm. it depends on you specifically same thing okay. with mechanical engineering right you could have studied everything in mechanical engineering but because your communication skill was poor you didn't get a job mm-hmm. because you know the job went to some guy's son because he he knew the ceo of the company all mm-hmm. those sort of things happen there's a lot of factors and because of all of that you can't tell whether some studying something or doing some something will work out for you so if i'm going to tell my parents i think youtube is going to be really good for me and then i end up failing then mm-hmm. i look like a failure in front of my parents a lot of mm-hmm. children at the end of the day and this it sounds weird but they just want to make their parents proud like mm-hmm. somewhere deep down they just want to make the people that raise them up they like i want to keep them happy it's also yeah. a biological drive right mm-hmm. i want to be it's a, it's a tribal drive that i want to be well known in my tribe mm-hmm. so first keep my parents happy then keep my society happy because mm-hmm. i'll tell you in in my life now i don't care about my parents opinion like mm-hmm. i really, I, i mean i like my parents i love them they have a very healthy relationship but it's more like friends mm-hmm. i tell my parents here's what i'm going to do i don't ask them for permission Mm-hmm. I'm just like here's what I'm going to do. Uh, if here's a way you can help if you want to, mm-hmm. right? right? So it's very different my relationship with my parents. Mm-hmm. Try to build that relationship with your parents. Right, and and that is where I was getting at specifically. What would you? Because uh, you know there is. Uh, I always say, man, uh, and you you're very right. Given how given how um, socially inclined we are as a society back in India, um, everything is dependent upon a consensual agreement that the family provides. and very often including for the longest time myself me and my father had a troubling relationship for the first significant part of uh, my life um now we are like best friends now it is exactly like this hey i'm going to start this venture and i might need capital are you willing to invest sure i'm i'm going to start this venture you know like it's it's got to the point where they have understood um that in some sense their ideas are obsolete without without being perjurative to them um and it's also true the evidence based model is so true when i was going to columbia my dad was like why are you going to columbia finish your chartered accountancy you know uh, and then go to columbia defer your admission which is not an insane advice it's 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 a fair advice i was just not up for it so when i went there he was a little disheartened there were people around him that were questioning uh, my choice and and by proxy his decision and then eventually what happened is he started going around meetings telling people that his son was going to an ivy league school and then suddenly he would call me up and he'd be like oh my gosh i didn't even know this and i did not know obama graduated out of columbia and so on and i'd be like none of that makes made sense before none of this makes sense after it does not matter but i get it his his views were reinforced by his environment pretty much in the same and then suddenly he knew about arvind panagadia being here or jagdish but like all these people who were ancillary who would not have otherwise interested him he was suddenly aware he started seeking the evidence too um podcasting when I, right when i started podcasting nobody i mean even in even in the ecosystem that i belong to back in india podcasting is barely a thing right now in the markets as far as india is concerned i started doing it and i saw three four five people around me erupt with that and then people started talking about it now my dad wants his own podcast right and it's 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 a reverse it's it's a it's a it's a reverse influence mostly parents have influence over their children especially at the cusp at the knee of the uh, of the curve which is 18 to 25 26 indian parents have a decent amount of you know same people uh, in in their children's um, choices but we sort of flipped that now there is so much influence that goes the other way my parents 
are feeling young again because they are learning through me. And I think there, is, there can be no more constructive relationship um, th that I can share with my father and my mother. However, here is, here, is, uh, here, here is what I want to get at with the entire thing. How do you propose people go? Because there, there has to be a strategic, a, a more tactical end of having a conversation like that. It's a very sensitive conversation for a lot of people. And it tends to blow up a lot of um, undetonated bombs from, from the past. How, what is your opinion on how people should have a conversation like that with whoever is holding them back? You know, be that their dad, mom, their friend, their girlfriend, whatever. See, uh, uh, I was at the doctor's hospital the, the doctor's office the other day, right? And there was this lady who was just sitting there and she was on the phone and I was just like, I was just waiting for somebody else and she was on the phone and she's, she's telling her kid, if you, and her kid's in the fourth grade, she's like, if you don't come home with at least nine out of 10, I will slap you. She's being like vile, right? And it's not a, she didn't say it nicely. Mm -hmm. She's like, don't come back home. Is mm -hmm. that something you tell your kids? That's so horrible. I categorize, I categorize parents into two, two parts. Parents mm -hmm. you cannot negotiate with and parents you can negotiate with. Mm -hmm. And you will understand that the better, and this is my experience, right? The smarter your parents, the better their personal performance in the world, mm -hmm. the more negotiable they are with is mm -hmm. they are. Right? You mm -hmm. can negotiate with them, but I don't know if that's even a sentence. I, I think mm -hmm. I put it the wrong way, but you'll be able to negotiate. They just as communicated. Yeah. Exactly. Right. Mm -hmm. You will be able to negotiate with them. Mm -hmm. The more the poorer a parent's performance the more confirmation bias they've built that in my life, I have failed because of one factor. They've right. got one factor that becomes the factor of their life, mm -hmm. right? So those people are very hard to negotiate with. It's either, it's like you, and my parents were, were of the first kind and then they became the second kind. That's also mm -hmm. possible. So mm -hmm. actually my father's of the first kind, my mother's of the, you can negotiate my mother, you can't negotiate my father. Right? I would agree. So, I would so agree with like, my guess. Right. <laughs> so you so you go to my, uh, so you go to the parents and you'd be like, I want to become a YouTuber. And the first thing you get is a chappal, right? There's an Indian slipper. And right. There's no negotiating with them, right? So mm -hmm. here's what I've learned. My, what I've learned is you have to shut up and do what they tell you to do till mm -hmm. you reach the age where you're able to generate at least 25,000 rupees a month. Because mm -hmm. at 25,000 rupees a month, you can move out. Mm -hmm. And the minute you can move out, you can do whatever you want. Mm -hmm. Right? So that's, I think... One ability. Otherwise, it's battle, man. Do battle mm -hmm. with your parents. If mm -hmm. you think it's worth it, if you think it's worth damaging relationship, do battle. But here's the thing: they'll never understand. It. Mm -hmm. It's like arguing with somebody. It's like you, you as say, I'm a Christian, and I go, I walk into a Muslim mosque, and I argue with them, saying, "No, you know, you're wrong." Mm -hmm. That's how it is to a parent telling them that no, mechanical engineering is wrong because mm -hmm. all their life they've heard engineering, 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 send your child to engineering, engineering is the future, mm -hmm. and you're coming and telling them randomly that it's wrong. Right. So much society in their head. So it's a right. big battle. Whereas right. the parents who can negotiate, they are less gullible to the effects of society because they made it in life. And they know part of making it in life is also understanding society is wrong very often. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So in yeah, fact, do battle or move out. Right. Um, this, 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 this battle that you pointed out or this negotiation that you pointed out is what I call the spirit of rebellion. And let's just put a pin on it temporarily because I want to say something and then get back to the spirit of rebellion aspect of, of the whole thing. Um, one thing that helped me um, negotiate with my parents better or, or jump into that battle better was, was understanding where they were coming from. Very, very, like, even, even to the point where I understand where they're coming from better than they do. And here is where they're coming from. My dad in particular comes... And much like a lot of Indian middle-aged men come from a place of economic trauma. 
right? In fact, all of us, whoever lives in India, oh, lives in economic yeah. trauma because uh, the, psycholo the, the, the psychological proximity of the abjectest form of poverty, starvation, fucking exploitation is right there. We see it as soon as we stop at a red light. So there is an economic trauma that has been that is still continuing to pass through generations, right? Um, and th that is that, that that's the place where uh, my my father comes from. Now, as soon as you are somebody who's coming from a from a trauma, and almost the most how would you say the most profound drive that you have, the motivational drive that you have is uh, is is a search for meaning, happiness, and however you want to dress that up. Family and its survival becomes that motivational drive, right? So the, the biggest question that people like you and I face, people who were of significant means, who were of people, you know, enough leg room, is the question of meaning. They had it given to them on a platter. Your family, make it fucking work, right? Now somebody who's absorbed the concept of meaning without even asking the question of meaning, sets to do that. They provide for their family infinitely, over and over, compounded. And once they're done with that, the child grows up and he's like, you know what, I'm struggling with the question of meaning. I'm struggling with what my passion is. The response is shut the hell up. It's family. Do this for your family, right? And 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 it's and it's part part of it is because they were never asked. Um, they, they they never could ask themselves a question of meaning um, driven by circumstance. Um, and then the society aspect of what you said fills in, right? Like the all the information that they are, they have available is um, is 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 that of that of 10, 10, 20, 30, 40, whatever, however long they've been in the workforce years ago. They don't understand any better. Provision, survival is so important. They haven't transitioned to the thrival mindset at all yet. Even though they have done their jobs very well enough for us to occupy that, th uh, that thrival mental space. And so that is where the discrepancy comes in. When I, when I understood that it was in part this, this trauma that he could not resolve within himself, I could take the risk for myself because I understood that it was not certain that he was right, that he was a consequence of his circumstance too, right? Like I could not blame him for that. Um, and that also allows uh, this this antithetical aspect, this me versus my parents aspect to go away because you see them at their level. You see them as friends. My friend here, I have a, I have an older brother entity here who says that, who would say that when I moved here, you'd be like, you need to kill the boy. You need to kill the boy. You, and I'd be like, what, why are you repeating Game of Thrones for me, man? Like, I know what the sentence is. But he kept saying that and I did not understand. And then when I finally did, when I finally transitioned into the space where I was making decisions for myself and taking the fall, which is what you are getting at. If you think you can do it, go ahead, do it. But if it doesn't work out, take the fall. Adapt, move forward. Adapt, move forward. Be willing to take the consequences of your choice. That's the most adult thing you can do. That's what we hate adults for, the adults we dislike, because they don't take the consequences of their own fall. And there's an instinctive counter that we have for that. Oh, you know, this guy is avoiding accountability and responsibility. Now, to come back to the spirit of rebellion. I think the spirit of rebellion is the perfect antithesis for conformity, which is a plague that is upon the populations of India, right? We are driven by conformity, everything from the first day of uniformed school to the last day of your board examinations where you have to conform. And very often what that creates for is a lot of efficiency because you understand your working constraints and you optimize very quickly, but it does not function well for creativity. We don't optimize for creativity in that scope. And I find you, and, and I don't know if this is a consequence of me listening to the stuff that you said or from, from just the, the demeanor of your communication, you are somebody who, who very much fashions his sense of rebellion, where you are not afraid of saying that you were wrong, right? Even to your own self, probably. Um, and it, it, it leads to characteristics where people are self-taught, you know? I don't, I don't, like I said, I don't pay here for, 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 for the education. I pay for the environment. 
I don't care as much about what the classroom instruction of teaching is. I'm going to find out. I'm going to read 20 books. I'm going to listen to 18 podcasts. I'm going to go everywhere. I'm going to speak to people I'm not supposed to um, to learn. I, I, I fashion myself as a self-taught person as well. And I, I, I find that your, your interests in, in, in neuroscience, psychology, technology, all of those things have been a self-taught kind of a thing. Is that accurate? What do you, what do you think about the spirit of rebellion? Um, look, I have a problem with the idea that conformity should go away. I'm not talking about me, right? I'm, I, I cannot conform to anything. I don't think you would conform to anything as well. I think that's how we that's the cloth we've cut out from. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, imagine this, right? Say you completely remove conformity from the world. Nobody agrees to anything, right? Or they agree to just, you know, some loose rules. You'd have utter chaos. Mm-hmm. I think within like four or five years, the nukes would be out. Right. right? So you mm-hmm. need some, and, and think about it, right? Like if there's nobody that conforms, how would um, the company I run, Avalon, we run advertisements, right? And last year we ran, we ran like millions of dollars worth of ads to clients, uh, mm-hmm. for clients. Mm-hmm. And think about it, right? How would I advertise to somebody like you or me? Because we'd call it out. Mm-hmm. A lot of our ads that worked, and I'll tell you, when I was 21, 22, the kind of ads I ran were very intellectual. It was ads like this, mm-hmm. right? Have you ever heard a Saif Ali Khan or a Shah Rukh Khan or somebody big backstage versus on an ad. On an ad, they do stupid things, right? They dance, they do this, they say, okay, you know, they say a jingle or whatever. The ads are very dumbed down. Mm-hmm. But the backstage, they're very smart people. They're mm-hmm. very, very, very smart people. Just like, say you, say you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So why do they dumb everything down? Why do they water everything down? Mm-hmm. Right? It's for the mass audiences. Mm-hmm. Right? The mass audiences, the ads that we do, we used to do really complex ads. We had no returns on the ads. And then mm-hmm. we did really complex ads. They're like, Bhai, this is a soap, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. This is a soap that will make things clean and it's cheap. Mm-hmm. Instead of, you know, in the beginning, earlier we were like, let's make this soap ad where, you know, this part is blue, this part is red, and it means something. And we mm-hmm. open a book to figure out what it has to Indian audiences don't care. They don't have the time. And conformity also just allows you to make simple DTC purchases. That's direct right. to consumer. Mm-hmm. You see something, you're like, I want to click, I want to buy. Mm-hmm. So your entire economy depends on conformity. Mm-hmm. So if you remove conformity from India, if everybody became really rebellious, if everybody became really smart, I think advertising as a business would end. Right. And, no and if, advertising, and if advertising as a business ends, who bankrolls politicians? If <laughs> politics ends, how do you run an economy? How do you run the right. government? Right. Government right. works because of spending. And right. Nobody's spending. Right. So, right, right. so I don't know. My motion is not to remove conformity, to optimize for creativity rather, right? And and this happened to be a trade-off. But I I I I see exactly where you're coming from. You're absolutely on point. But this advertisement issue is a very interesting notion because I want to pick your mind on it. And this is going to be this is going to take it into an entirely different domain. Um so I've been I've been doing this this kind of stuff for a few months now, three, four months, I have a considerable amount of content out. I'd say roughly about 60, 70 hours worth of content out. And now, now I'm in the process of building up a backend team so I can um, get the message across, right? Hypothetical. Say somebody was somebody like me was to run ads. And this would help me understand the Indian ad sphere too. So if somebody like me were to run an ad, what kind of ads do you think uh, work? What is, it, what, is it that, what is it that functions well? What do well, you think should I do? Mm-hmm. Depends on the size of your audience because look, we I, I did a sci-fi podcast some time ago. I don't know if you, you know it. It's called Zero. Uh, no, it's not called Zero. There's this other sci-fi podcast we did. It's a it's a it's a movie in audio form. It's really nice. You should check it out. It's free. Um, what's it called? Uh, it's called The Source. So mm-hmm. AvalonLabs.co/slash/source. 
Mm-hmm. We tried advertising it a little bit. Here's the thing, right? Your audience is probably this is bad news or good news. Depends on mm-hmm. how you take it. Your audience is probably not in India, mm-hmm. right? And if you try to advertise to smart people to listen to you about this, most of those smart people are between the ages. I'm an exception. You're an exception. Most of those smart people are between the ages of 30 to 35, mm-hmm. and they're really busy. And mm-hmm. all of the content they consume is content very related to their job. Mm-hmm. Right, all random crap news and movies and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. yeah, I either have to sit in professional mm-hmm. or entertainment. Mm-hmm. That, that's my the, the problem is in India. I don't know how big your audience is, mm-hmm. and you can kind of advertise to people between the ages of say twenty two to twenty five, but they're not going to get your content, mm-hmm. and your share value will be really low. Mm-hmm. Think about it. Okay, on my Instagram, a lot of my content is memes mm-hmm. because I put out a post on YouTube very recently. It's called. my experiments with instagram how i grew from 1 0 to 1.4 million impression 1 million mm-hmm. impressions per week mm-hmm. and the it's all about the posts i put out the more mm-hmm. complex the content i put out like content like this i guarantee you will get you nothing in mm-hmm. india like your mm-hmm. ad, your cap your cost of getting one like decent follower will be like 500 rupees mm-hmm. and after that the follower will go away later mm-hmm. my suggestion there are places in there are huge groups in america who want to listen to this stuff mm-hmm. in india if you if how i would advertise this is i would find groups self assorted facebook groups that already talk about stuff like this the mm-hmm. problem is that's already been diluted by things like you know you know the pseudo scientific stuff the mm-hmm. religious stuff you, it's very but even if you found groups like this say you found the avalon group mm-hmm. you would find like 10 groups like this and just pay them like 1000 bucks and tell the admin hey can you post about this mm-hmm. that's the best way to get your word across don't really? don't advertise yeah don't direct advertise so I take a more optimistic view on this. Uh, I have been off touch with India for about two years now, so um, I don't really understand the nitty gritties as much as I did two years ago. But I take a more optimistic view, and that optimistic view, and it could just be, you know, the 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 naivete of youth, the being a little naive when I'm young. Um, I think that we can function to revolutionize uh, culture in India because it's. It, there is no doubt in my head that indians are smart there is no doubt in my head that there is going to be a time soon enough when people will consume this right it's 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 only a matter of time because you know so y- y- here is my idea okay let me let me frame it a little better we when in the 60s and the 70s televisions and radios were operating and up until the 90s and early 2010s we, the radios and the televisions were operating on the premise that people have short attention spans and they can only listen to 6 7 minutes worth of stuff long form content content from netflix and podcasting changed the entire idea recently and we're still struggling to understand why that happened and i think why that happened is because there was an immediate trade off in terms of getting instant gratification from content you consume between now me scrolling through facebook instagram and now me listening to long form content right now i can i can get rid of that desire to quickly parse through stuff on my facebook instagram which was happening with 6 minute talking heads with radios and televisions before and now i can dedicate and spend time with this kind of stuff and what that allowed us to explore was this huge 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 market segment and rogan's a good example of that a huge market segment of people who'd sit down and listen for longer than what a movie plays for right um I think Parker, that... but my but my question is not I mean my concern is not about that at all I think the content is superb I mm-hmm. I'd listen to this sure sure uh-huh. no, but I'm saying think about the Maslow's pyramid right mm-hmm. where are you on the Maslow's pyramid you're right, right the at bottom. the top no you're right at the top <laughs> right right your right. content is right at the top right uh-huh. India is struggling with the bottom mm-hmm. and like what percentage of India can even afford to have like high speed streaming internet today that mm-hmm. number is increasing and I'll give you an example. Just download TikTok. 
Mm-hmm. You have a TikTok, yeah. I have TikTok on my phone. I never okay. use it. Yeah. Just open uh, somehow. Change your proxy settings. Open it in India. Scroll mm-hmm. through. That's it is open in India. I know. I saw yeah, yeah. that. I That's saw your that. audience. And, and, and advertising can't tell the difference. Facebook mm-hmm. ads, Google ads, they cannot tell the difference. Mm-hmm. So when mm-hmm. you're running these ads, it's going to people like this. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. They will not understand. They're so far disconnected from your content. They want to do stuff like you know dances and like it's. It's I get like as an ad- I'm telling you as an advertiser, right? So right. I can sell, like if somebody comes to me and tells me, you know, I have this brilliant idea. I've invented the cure for immortality. You know, I want you to help me advertise it. Mm-hmm. And another guy comes and says, I have this milkshake. Can you sell the milkshake? I'd rather take the milkshake deal. Mm-hmm. Because in India, the cure for immortality requires a lot of awareness building. Right. right. So, so, a lot of awareness building. so what do you think? When are we going to pivot into a broader cultural space uh, in the Indian market? Because that's how I saw my project as far as India was concerned. I'm going to, I'm going to uh, bring about a cultural shift, right? Eventually. So, so run through the pyramid. So run through the Maslow's pyramid. What's at the bottom? Food, excretion, etc. I think India has that now, more or less. Mm-hmm. What's next? Security, safety. People are still getting that. That's mm-hmm. in general in India, security and safety are still about money. And, you know, if my daughter goes out, I hope she comes back safe. Right. No problem, right? right. Then there's the need for things like you know, society, belonging, etc. It's mm-hmm. not about the content we put out here. It's actually, I need to have friends, mm-hmm. right? And have people who respect. And I think India has that to a certain extent. And right. then as you keep going higher, you get actualization, self-actualization. Mm-hmm. And I think that in general, in every society, that's a very, very small percentage of the society. So mm-hmm. I, here's what I would do if I were you. I would mm-hmm. break my podcast into two parts, mm-hmm. right? And Joe Rogan's done this as well, right? You have... The, this podcast, the main one, and mm-hmm. then you have easier to digest podcast, Brain Hacks. Mm-hmm. Right? And I'm telling you this as somebody who's studied neuroscience, as somebody who studied computer science, I'm telling you 15 hacks for your brain. Mm-hmm. I've dumped it down to like, God knows where. And it's simple, right? Go to YouTube, do you, just scroll through the content that works. Mm-hmm. It's so simple. Mm-hmm. Right? It's so simple because they don't have the attention span. They do not understand this. You've, right. you've reached a vantage point where you can't see behind. Mm-hmm. And I made this mistake for so many years, right? Mm-hmm. And only when I started advertising that I realized nobody is responding to the smart content. Mm-hmm. I made dumber content. And the dumber the content that I make, it works. I'm not calling the audience stupid. No, no. I'm just saying that they don't have either the time or the resources or the intelligence to be able to comprehend this. Mm-hmm. Right? And mm-hmm. they don't want to. And it's not... It's, it's very interesting. It's very interesting. I, um, I'm fascinated by that. Tell me about the entrepreneurship scape in India. How's that like? What, what, have, you been, what have been your, um, you know, maxims? What, have, what is it that you understood? Uh, it's a more general question. I understand there is, there is so many ways for it to... So, like, for instance, um, I, do you think that we might be running our depth like the startup bubble that started early 2000s in India when uh, guitar became stand-up and stand-up became startup and all of that happened, you know, and for, for, for what was the cool factor that was coming up next. And I'm wondering if we are running that space out, if, 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 if it's getting to a point where it's no longer as fertile as it was when we started. Do you think that is the case? I think um, all humans are entrepreneurs by default. Mm-hmm. But not entrepreneurs in the sense, you know, running billion dollar companies. Mm-hmm. Look at the, look at, I mean, we've only had proper professional jobs since Thomas Alva Edison, about mm-hmm. 150, 200 years. Right? Before that, it was just, you know, blacksmiths. It was people who reared their own sheep. It was people who grew their own crops. They're all entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. The farmer, they're all entrepreneurs. It's family driven entrepreneurs. So I did the history of entrepreneurship, right? 
So these family-driven entrepreneurs who had a family like their wife and kids or their husband and kids uh, help them grow crops, help them, you know, become known for making soda bottles, for example. Mm -hmm. Right. So you all had specialities. All families had these specialities and they changed their last name. That was their mm -hmm. form of advertising. Can you believe it? Advertising mm -hmm. in the past was last name driven. I would mm -hmm. change my last name to say Daruwala mm -hmm. or in India, you have this, right? Uh, even mm -hmm. in uh, most countries in the world, you have this uh, Daruwala or Smith. Uh, Smith, whatever. Right. You, have these, you have these different last names to, to show people what you did. So right. when you met somebody, you're like, oh, the Smiths do it. Mm -hmm. Or these people do it. Or those people do it. And how would you say you got really good? You're an old man in your 60s. Then you taught your children. You're like, listen, I'm going to teach you how to make a mm -hmm. clock. A watchmaker. Mm -hmm. I'm going to teach you how to make a clock. Okay, my kid, I'm going to teach you how to make soda bottles. Right. So your skills got passed on in a very simplistic fashion. Mm -hmm. Thomas Alva Edison, the reason I bring up his name was he's the one who invented the job interview. Mm -hmm. He's the one who said, you have a family, I'm going to get you people from outside. Right? You don't have to, your son is incompetent, that's great, mm -hmm. I'll get you somebody from outside. Right? Mm -hmm. So that's what started happening, like this labored, hired hand. It, there was always labored and hired hand through the idea of slaves. Mm -hmm. Right? But mm -hmm. this formal job market started after Edison, started with interviews. And then there's this 150 year period where People have had formal jobs, but I think that's going to die now. Mm -hmm. I think at this point, every it's become cheap to live. Mm -hmm. And uh, and I think uh, there aren't going to be any more jobs because of automation. That's my mm -hmm. stance. Some people are like automation, create new jobs. I'm like bullshit. Mm -hmm. right? I think automation is going to take a lot of jobs. And we use, like I've fired people because I have tools today that can automate their work. Mm -hmm. right? And I've told mm -hmm. them specifically, this is the reason I'm firing. It's a business decision for me, right? Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, and, and the minute you have that, you're sitting at home, you have nothing to do. So you're like, fine, let me start something. Let me mm -hmm. add value to the world. Let me, you know, people might like this very niche podcast. So while I believe that maybe a podcast like yours can't become Joe Rogan size because it doesn't speak to the ma masses, mm -hmm. because masses, why do they listen to Elon Musk? They don't listen to Elon Musk because he's smart or whatever. They listen to Elon Musk because he's a celebrity. Mm -hmm. He's actually a celebrity entrepreneur, mm -hmm. right? So Joe Rogan gets, keeps getting people like this and that, that's why he's big. Mm -hmm. But Everyone can have a niche that they own, right? I could mm -hmm. be the best buttermilk, salted buttermilk maker. Mm -hmm. I could be the best person who makes notebooks, mm -hmm. right? So everyone will own a niche in the future. It's going to go back to what it was. This 150 year thing was a blip where we mm -hmm. made mistakes and had people work under each other. There'll right. still be people working under each other in the future, right? There's still right. going to be whatever, but I think large, largely it's going to be automated. But the mm -hmm. same things that automation gives in Amazon, you know, drones that put across packages the same abilities if it gives you know you or me or some random kid sitting out there with like not enough money the kid can build anything right it's just mm -hmm. idea driven and how hard you're willing to work you have to work on it for a few weeks or a few months until you know it works or not i think mm -hmm. not enough kids give it enough time mm -hmm. that's my opinion and entrepreneurship right. it is a fad in india right but i also think that eventually humans are built for entrepreneurship everyone wants to do it it's happened all over the world in many different situations. We've built right. for it. It's not DNA. Right. Working for somebody is unnatural, which is why we feel uncomfortable doing it all the time. Right. I think I, I think that's a solid that's a solid uh, a solid point. I think our biology is very built for for chasing excesses. Uh, I think we the uh, the reason why uh, I think capitalism works as well, uh, which is where most of the notions of modern workplaces and jobs come from, is because it is a very strong meme. It is 
absolutely has like a one to one relationship with our biology in terms of exploiting it for for whatever ends it has and it has worked very well i also agree that this blip that you point out is uh, we'll, we'll we i i say this this is how i say it as a 50 years down the line we laugh at ourselves because we were so busy winging like we we think somebody has the eye on the bigger picture we think somebody's looking out for the longer term future as a matter of fact all of us are winging continuously hoping to come out better on the other end and i have a very orwellian like a very dystopic and i don't know why that it charges me that this dystopic uh, view of the future as soon as all this automation and 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 consciousness codes and what not start emerging it will be pretty it'll be pretty transformative for the experience of life itself and there was a question that was recently posed to me uh, by a very serious fellow i'm going to have him on my pod soon his name is david komodo kite he's a he's a buddhist scholar um and he teaches a class on reincarnation and he said if i were to offer you an infinite life if i if i were to even offer you 500 years worth of life right would you take it because the consideration becomes i am going to watch all the people i've loved die so much faster than myself i'm going to take all the pain of watching my children and my grandchildren or my friends of whatever time the only reason why i would take that and this is just a personal opinion is so that i can see the wave of change happen because that's the only thing that excites I agree. me right to watch humans become an uh, space faring creature and even further galaxies right like it's so interesting because i think if you if you go down the existential rabbit hole about why the only place i can sort of pillar myself with is is to watch thing experience change information all of that um but i think on that note we have we have had a solid one and a half hours of conversation what do you think how long have i, I kept you up I, no you've not kept me up i just, i mean i sleep around 4 5 am my mm-hmm. sleep i have something called non 24 i sleep mm-hmm. one hour later every day mm-hmm. so i have you know i love dude when you go down the rabbit hole you lose time so you just mm-hmm. talk about time and i was just like time is not uh, like I, i i don't think about time in conversation like this i love mm-hmm. i can ch- chat like this for like 10 15 hours dude mm-hmm. i hope you enjoyed it man i hope uh, i hope i stood up to uh, what you expected of me i don't know what you did but i hope i did it was surprising i i haven't seen um, somebody from india to have this level of depth so kudos on that uh, i actually i'm sure it, it, there are a lot of indians with this level of depth they just don't put it out mm-hmm. i think they're scared in a way mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. india's a very like oh science you mm-hmm. talk about mental health you talk about this you talk about you know anything other than religion or it's not mm-hmm. cool to do what you do and right. one look at tiktok will help you understand what india is like it, that mm-hmm. is india that is a beat to the pulse of the country right um, right so some glad there's somebody out there like this and i'm sure i'll we'll, you know cross paths a year later five years later 10 years later once you're in this game once you put yourself out there you're always going to be out there right and for what said 44 episodes right for you yeah i i think close to 50 i have a lot in production already going up as we speak so yeah that's, that's consistency that's yeah, consistency. Yeah. so i just look for so we invest right in startups obviously right. not in podcasts and stuff but all yeah. we look for is consistency have you been mm-hmm. doing it for a while before you met me cool that's mm-hmm. that's that's enough right. for us very interesting very interesting i'm pretty sure we'll cross paths because i'll make it a point uh, i have a similar feeling that is i was so pleasantly surprised yesterday when i was going over the the stuff that you put out because i almost lost hope where i was like probably we are if we as as a people are so preoccupied with other stuff we aren't really asking ourselves questions in the direction that I mean that is not an elite statement i don't think i'm better or smarter than anybody it's just a different inclination to interest that i have but when i found you and i and i found that you had like a slightly different vocabulary to come to similar notions i was like hmm, this this is very very fascinating in fact i was so impressed by zero um, i was listening to it last night i 
I came up with a few ideas of my own. I think um, I, I think I'm going to forward it to you when I come out with something. It'll take a bit. I have my fingers. Uh, so just just make it simple, like Sero, like your podcast. Take clips, take small clips, and for example, in Sero, um, one of the episodes is how to really change yourself. Mm-hmm. Why you should learn to code. So these are mm-hmm. simple topics, and then you can go in depth. It's the clickbait title that's that that makes right all the right. Difference. Right, 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 right. Um, yeah, I'm going to I'm going to keep you posted. I'm, I'm I I hope we can be in touch to whatever degree we can be. And when I'm in India, when I'm in Bangalore, when I'm anywhere, I'll let you know. If you're in New York, please feel free, man. I would love to have sure. a conversation face to face. You're in NY right now. New York City, yes, absolutely in the center. Yeah. I have an office in Rector Street, so oh. I can come there. Well, I'll see you soon then. Rector Street is uh, further downtown. Is 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 that downtown Manhattan? Yeah, it's near Madison Square Garden. Oh, okay, yeah, that's not far. That's like twenty minutes from my place. So that okay. would be my pleasure whenever you're here. Sure, dude. See this you then. This has been fun, man. This has been fun. You too, dude. Thank you. Yeah. Bye, bye. Bye, man. If you like this stuff, might I please remind you to please press the subscribe button. If you liked it enough, if you press the subscribe button, it only helps other listeners come to find the podcast more easier. Also, if you disagree with something, you are more than welcome to approach me on any of my social media handles or my email. My email is mailme.prakargupta.gmail.com. Finally, leave a feedback, leave a review. It really helps people who are who are checking my podcast out to find if they'd be interested in this content or not. And eventually, if you just love this podcast and you cannot stop thinking about it, share it with somebody. It really helps my audience grow a little bigger. Thank you so much for listening. It's been incredibly fun doing this for you. 